Be advised that the views and opinions that you're about to listen to right now are those of not the DOD or of the Air Force, but of those that are speaking. Thank you. Hey, this is Saren Griffin. This is Under the Beret. I have one of my favorite NCOs here, Technical <laughs> Sergeant James. He needs no introduction. <sighs> We need sound effects. We need sound effects. <laughs> we'll work on that. Instead of us breathing into microphones, that'll be better. Uh, I got my executive producer slash the director of this podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Senior Monteo. How are you guys doing? I'm sure they're doing fine. So, all right. Just got to make sure. You know, I always got to check in with airmen and CEOs and whatnot. Yeah, true. That's what, kind of what we do. Mm-hmm. I like it. All right, Sergeant James. So there's a few things you wanted to talk about today. Uh, I think you wanted to talk about like the culture in the Air Force, culture changes, you know, good, bad, things like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so first and foremost, I'm Sergeant James. Uh, I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland. Um, was raised there my entire life. Um, I think I'm probably one of the first generation military people in my family. Um, everybody else did drugs. Um, so, okay. Be- that guy dark. I mean, yeah, that guy dark. Not everybody. Right. I mean, right, so right. obviously, not everybody. But like my 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 birth mother is a heroin addict. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And uh, her sister raised me. Um, and a lot of those values of where I come from is who I am today. Like all of those things that, and I'm very open. Like y'all, y'all yes. know me. So yes. like I'm a very open person, yes. um, and I'll tell you pretty much anything about my life because um, I like to talk. <laughs> uh, but either way, so my background from that, and then coming from from that situation, I didn't know too much about the military. I we had ROTC in school, but that was just like a place to cut. Yeah. That, that's like my experience too. <laughs> I didn't know almost anything about the military, any branch. Right. I just, I just remember the Air Force recruiter being way chiller than the other people. Yeah. Like, I got the sense of a travel bug. Um, So, fun story you might not know about me. (laughs) Um, From age, like, 8 to, like, 18, I was in performing arts school. So, um, because I was in performing arts school... um, the lady who ran the school, she was from my church, right? So mm-hmm. real big a church. And, um, you know, if you if you grew up in church or anything, you know, people are always like, man, you're so anointed. God has his hand on your life. You know, you, it was like one of those types of things in school. I mean, right. in, in church, right? And I was like, cool. I appreciate that. I need him to have my his hands on my life because stuff be crazy. Right. Anyway. Um, so th- I went to the school for free, and they allowed me, because we didn't have a lot of money, um, to go to the school. And then um, one year they were having some uh, contests in Hawaii. And um, there was a person in my life at the time, and they were like, you should go. Yeah. You, should, you should go and get away from Baltimore to see what is 
out, out there. there in life. Yeah, right. If you don't travel, um, you, you know, you're not going to see anything. And you just your world is where you live at, right? When you when your world is that small growing up, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, big facts. Everything is within the city limits. I think the furthest I ever went was DC or maybe Virginia Beach. Right. That was that's probably like a it. few hours away. <laughs> a lot of people don't understand that about like growing up a lot, and especially in inner cities. Like you don't you don't get to branch out a lot from certain places. Like I remember growing up when I lived in New York, I knew a lot about Brooklyn, almost everything. Right. But you took me out of the city. I was like, once I leave the bridge, do I need my passport? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was like, I got to show my passport at the Brooklyn Bridge. You know what I right. mean? Like, like, I can't I, come back from here. Yeah, I mean, what do we do here? I have to go through customs or what, you know? Big facts. Um, so um, I went, you know. Um, somebody paid for me to go. And um, I went down there, and I had, like, probably one of the best times in my life. Yeah, like it was, and I was a civilian at the time, mm-hmm. so it was wild, and like a shell shock from <laughs> inner life city in Baltimore, and then going to to like yeah, Hawaii is a part of America, but it's kind of not. It's a whole different world. It's a whole nother world. Like the way that they live, the way they operate, the things that they do mm-hmm. out there is completely different. Than living in a concrete jungle, you know what I mean. So um, I think I came back after that, and I think I probably spent maybe three or four months uh, working at Social Security Administration. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was working for the government. You know what I'm saying? I had a good paying job. Things was not too bad. You right. know what I'm saying? But I was like really a dirt bit. I was really a dirt bag, and I really wasn't doing anything productive with my life. Right. So still trapped in Baltimore. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I, something else happened in my life. It was a girl. Um, mm-hmm. And then I got my heart broke. I said, I'm leaving. I'm never coming back. It's <laughs> over. I said, my world is over. Her daddy don't like me. I'm leaving. Right. So, I went teen- to a recruiter. That teenage brain right there. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I was like. Oh, this my life's over. I got to leave. jerk reactions. Okay? <laughs> knee jerk reactions. I literally was like, I'm going to join the military. <laughs> You know what? I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm, man, I don't have to take this. I'm going home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, literally, um, I went to uh, the Marines. I went to the Army, and I went to the Navy, and didn't even think about the Air Force. Right. I was like, I ain't gonna be able to get in. My, not, I was like, my school. My, when I graduated, I wasn't gonna make the cut. Right. Yeah. So I didn't think I was gonna make the cut. So I just went to them because they told me you had to be smart. <sighs> We're not going to go there. Either way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, everybody in the Air Force is smart in their own, own way. way. Right. Say, right. Right. Say that. But um, I ended up going back a week later and said, Look, nobody's called me back. And I talked to the Air Force dude. And he was like, What do you want to do? Just like that, in that voice. Like, what is there to he do? He said, What do you want to do? And I was like, uh, Leave Maryland? Like, <laughs> He was like, what job do you want? I was like, the one that says that I can travel the most. He said, they got security forces everywhere. Mm. I said... Sign me up for that one then. Yeah. Put me in. I said, how? They showed you a video with the ATVs no. and, the, and the. None of that. Oh. <laughs> None of that. They didn't even. Look, he told me that I could go overseas and I could, like, go do, like, crazy things and travel the world. Mm-hmm. I was like, 
in my mind, thinking about Hawaii, yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah, sign me up. I just gotta go. I gotta go to football camp for six weeks. I was like, that's easy. Mm -hmm. Just a couple of people yelling at me. You know what I'm saying? That's fine. Too easy. Right. I was like, when I went to basic, it was horrible. I was like, what's wrong with you? But why are you crying? Yeah, what's going on? You're from an austere environment already. Right. So people yelling at you doesn't really. Yeah. You're like, okay, this is pretty easy. Yeah. Like, you're, you're not, yeah. I'm not in any actual danger. No, no. And then I was like, they're not going to touch me. Yeah. So I was like, going ah. to the corner store is like different in the city. Because even if, you, if it's a routine <laughs> trip, you know what I mean? Like, if it's a routine trip, if I, even if I go back right now, if I go to New York and I go in Brooklyn and I see like a, a, a like 16 teenagers walking down the street on my street, I'm like, ah, oh, man, here, this might be it. <laughs> I'm, you're on the train, I'm like, a bunch of teenagers get in your car. I'm like, oh, oh okay, God. here we go. Do I look like food today? Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? It's like, it's like some National Geographic in there. You know what I mean? Like, you just got to survive. B and T is like, oh, this is super easy. Yeah. That's big facts. So um, I joined and um, went through everything. And my first base was Grand Forks, North Dakota. And um, man, like shock. Yeah, from that's not what that's not what the recruiter told me. It's not Hawaii. That's <laughs> not Hawaii. Yeah, the furthest thing from Hawaii. That was my first base too. Right. And, yeah. and we've talked about that. We know yeah. a lot of the same people. I remember what I remember when I actually left. So it was like a record winner there, and they sent me a, my boy sent me a picture of a raccoon that had died by freezing to death, and it was standing on all fours. It died standing up like a cartoon. You could see the the wind, the direction of the wind in its fur. Fatality. Froze. Yeah, it was on the news. <laughs> oh like God. this is what happened today. And you know, like you know, it's a small town when that's on the news. You know what I mean? Like, with Grand Forks is something else. I enjoyed it in a way, but like no cat, right? So. Um, for people who don't know what no cap is, um, that means that I'm telling, telling the, the truth. truth. Um, so, <laughs> no cap. Uh, like, Grand Forks was probably one of my best bases. Um, not only because of the relationships that I built there, um, but because I was exposed to different culture. Because I was able to see certain things that I would not have ever, right. ever been exposed to mm -hmm. um, which kind of like leads me into how we were as a flight how we were as a family um, because believe it or not my first my, I was I was only on I was only on station maybe about four or five months right and then it was to Afghanistan yeah out the door Straight out that's the what, door. That's what Grand Force was at yeah. that time, out the door. You know? And uh, when, matter of fact, when I was there, we didn't have a flight line. It was under construction. I don't think we were there. I think we overlapped at least a, a year or so, but we never met each other because nope. we both were probably on opposite deployment cycles. Probably. Because literally, that's how it was when you first came in. It was like mm -hmm. you were gone, you came back, and then you... You knew within three getting, months where you were going next. Yeah, yeah. big facts. Um... But the people, like, that I was deployed with, I mean, I still have those memories, yeah. right? Um, and it's, it was a sense of, like, yo, you're my brother. Like, right. you're, you're my sister. Like, 
you couldn't talk to a security forces girl if you weren't security forces. It was like, yo, that's my sister, bro. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Stop. Like, what's happening here? What are you doing? Like, you know this guy? Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Is like, he with you? Do you claim him? You know what I'm saying? Even if, even if it was the other way around. They, right. Like, females would be like, do you know him? Like, right. Exactly. And they'd be the first to pop yeah, off. Yeah. Who are, who are right. these women? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they have to leave. You can't bring them back anymore. You know what I'm saying? So, but, like... It was it was so crazy because it was like, yo, if I was having a hard time with something, senior airmen were like the first ones that was like, hey, hey, like that that roll call training was not it, bro. Yeah. Like we need to we need to reel it in. Like and it was it was like they would get with you offline. It wasn't like, hey, staff sergeant, come talk to you, do this. Mm-hmm. Or a hey, the staff sergeant says, hey, senior airman, I need you to go take care of that. No, it, it, they would just do it yeah. because you were a reflection of them right. on the flight. You ended up being a reflection of what the flight was, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look bad, we only as strong as our weakest link. Right. And I don't see that today. It's tough because it just, I think culture in general has changed, not just the Air Force. Obviously, the world has changed. Oh yeah, 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 you know what I we mean. In, in a bunch of different ways since the mid two thousands, you know, it, it, everything is different now. Every I think uh, people a lot per capita. I would say people lack social skills on a more frequent basis now. Oh yeah. Whereas before, is all we had to do was talk to each other because social media wasn't as prevalent when we first came in. It was it was a thing that you might check once a day or a week. You log on to your Facebook and be like, okay. Man, when I was at Grand Forks, this is when I was at Grand Forks, MySpace was out. Yeah, MySpace was, was that, pretty that hot was, at the time. That was what was popping at the time. Mm-hmm. MySpace. It, it wasn't a Facebook. Yeah, that's true. I remember that. When I first came in, it was MySpace. Right. That was it. I, mem- I remember, the, I think the closest thing I ever had. To MySpace was Black Planet. Black Planet, yeah. <laughs> I remember that was the one you put the wallpapers on the page. I had like Bruh. Kobe Bryant on my page. It's like oh, music in the background. MG for real. I'm weak. <laughs> Listen, I think that was the closest day. You know what I mean? And then, um, but like nobody was really using it like right. that, right? It was, it was more of a thing that you just did. Not even on your like once a week you would go on it, right? I don't even remember what was on it. Like really, what did we even look at? It was it was crazy to me, right? Because even at that time, you would try to talk to somebody on there, and they was like, "Bro, I'm not writing you on that. Yeah, just come over to my room." Yeah, like or like, bro, I'm not I'm not even checking that, man. Just call me or like, come come over, see me, and we'll have the conversation. Today, all communication is through something in your hand. So therefore, I have. I lack social skills because I don't know how to interact with people. Through text message, yeah. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll straight up call you. Like, Facts. y'all both know this. I will <laughs> just call you whenever I need to. Because <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't convey what I have to say in text message. I, I, I'm a, that is also very true. I talk a lot. So right. I'm t- I want to make sure you understand. I need to get all of my thoughts. And you need to hear how I sound to understand how serious right. or not serious you what I'm saying. have it in context. Right. Because you can send a message and it can be like, okay. Or you could read it and it can be like, okay. Or you could read it and it can be like, well, okay. 
Like, those are three different things. But you don't get that in a text message. You can't understand. That's why I'm a phone person. I, I just can't do it. Okay. That's yeah, a see, okay. that's a fourth yeah, yeah, yeah. one. You know what I'm so, but, yeah. So, I mean, that culture, I think, has been affected by the technology's advancements that we have had. Right. right? Um, so, you take us older guys that's been in for a while. Now, me going on 17 years of service, it's like looking back. Um, man, it's, it's... It feels like a different thing. Yeah. But like, think about even the uniform changes we had. We've been through all of them. I, I've, I've literally been through four uniforms. It's crazy. I remember <laughs> uh, BDUs. I had them when I first came in. Then I was going to deploy, so they issued me DCUs. But then they are like, nah, you can't wear those anymore. Because they, they were in the transition to ABUs. So then I got forces to ABUs, and I got on my first deployment. They said, you can't wear either of those. Here's some flight suits. And that was within, like, the first two years. Jeez. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to go through how many uniforms I've been through. <laughs> <laughs> Using the chocolate chip yes. joints. <laughs> yes. I, I will say this, though. Like, certain things about the uniform and being security forces made you take pride in who you were as a defender. Right, because in comparison... You, the you, other career fields did not operate in the same way that we operated. So, like, it was like creases. a sin for you to come to flight and not have creases. It was like you were going to hell. It was yeah. really like <laughs> something was wrong. Like, wh- bro, what's wrong with your boots? Like, Why we, can't I see myself in them? It would be like if, it, if you got a troop or if you were a troop that was high speed and you came in looking like, like crazy one day. They'd be the first. They might. The first they're gonna get on you, but then they'd be like, "Something must be wrong with him. Right. Something must be wrong in his life because he usually does this A, B, C, and right. D." It was easier to identify, but now everybody washing wear. So you know, um, I don't mind catch, for functionality, but I, mean, I do. Cool, yeah, right. It's cool. a change, though. Yeah. Right. You know, you can. You. Oh man, I didn't iron my joint last night. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I had a. Long night or whatever. You, know you what still had to try to do way. it before you left. Like, exactly. You better try some. I mean, it's crazy to me though. But those those were those were things that made you take pride in the uniform that you wore. Made you feel a sense of connectivity to the people that were doing the same thing as you. Right. It was like a community that all it's shared experience. Right. You're all doing the same thing, and the thing that you're doing is different from what everyone else is doing. Exactly. So it puts you, it uh, marginalizes you in a good way. Right. Like, you know what I mean? It makes you all that close because you, you, you see somebody else in the chow hall and they're in the career field. They're like, hey guys, and you guys are all looking sharp, and you look at him, and he comes over, you're like, <laughs> like that's your uniform? Right. You choose to put that on Somebody get your mans. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody get your mans. These stripes are not like who, who is your battle buddy? <laughs> they let you come here like that? You was at work all day like that? Right. Like, yeah. Bro. Horrible. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, when it comes to culture, I mean, obviously, us transitioning to the older part of the Air Force... Now, uh, well, the two of us, not necessarily Monteo. She's still right. fresh-faced, yeah. wet behind the ears, but... I'm weak. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's not all bad. It's just so different. And I think that when you're first, like, 
probably four years in, mm-hmm. you you base it like you have this consistency of how you know the Air Force to be. And I think the, that they think that it's going to carry on. But looking back, I'm like, everything's completely different. I remember paper uh, training records. I remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like Before, everything. after. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but check it out, right? So paper records were probably the best thing since sliced bread for a supervisor. Now that I am a supervisor, looking back in retrospect, right? And the reason why I say that is because it made training easier. It made training now, – now, granted, it might not have been easier from the standpoint of, like, obviously carrying it around. But if I had an airman at a gate, I knew that he – it was – you had them with you every right. day. So if I needed to come do training, all I had to do was come to your post. Come to your post, do this, this, and the other, right, where – before you, after that, you had after, and it was kind of like I had to bring you to the LRC. Right, we both down. got to sign on. Right, we or both dual CAD card. What it's complicated, a little bit more of a complicated right. process initially. It, yeah. Right. So I, I thought that training records. Honestly, looking back, I would say, man, they need to be with troops, just like CDCs that they've thrown away. But we're not going to go there. That's a whole other kind of conversation, right? Right. But certain things made you better made you a better defender made you a better airman made you a better counterpart to work with you know what I'm saying and a lot of those things we get away from right Um, and and we call it progression you know what I mean or um, elevating the the community or getting you know just trying to I guess cut the fat right trying to um Innovate and improve processes. Right. Right. But sometimes when you try to improve a process, you, you add extra unforeseeable steps that you didn't pr- project that would happen before. Or you take out stuff that's needed. Right. I, I mean, there's, there's, there's two ways, right? So it goes both ways, right? So like uh, mental health and stuff like that, that's completely different now. Yeah. Um, there's a program, I, I can't remember what it's called, that's coming that... Uh, I think the goal is for security forces units to have like a licensed therapist within the unit. Mm-hmm. There was actually a lady here the other day. I can't remember her name, but she was coming here to kind of survey and be like, where would it be best to put this person and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So things like that are coming even before, like I think I talked about this last podcast, but um, there was no go to Germany and talk about what happened on your deployment. It was just come home. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't get that. Right, you go to Afghanistan, like you went to Afghanistan, you, whatever you did out there, you got back, and hopefully your team did it with you, because if you did something by yourself, and then you come back, now you isolated. you just back in your dorm room. Bro, I went to Afghanistan for, I was there for about 10 to 11 months, and um, there was no reintegration, right. like training or anything like that after in 05 and it puts like 05 afghanistan was lit and it puts a chip on your shoulder when even when you compare yourself to other people they're like oh well i deploy you're like especially when you're younger in the game you're like yeah you you deployed but you didn't deploy deploy like you know what i mean based on where you went you know it's just natural you know what i mean especially if you experience that experience alone yeah you went there 12 months you came back nobody else knew what you were talking about you're just like well i'm a warrior out here who are y'all you know, <laughs> I need to see your credits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's a weird thing that we judge that we judge uh, 
sometimes people judge based on that stuff, but most of the appointments we go on, we didn't pick. And most of them, most of them are right. just like luck of the draw. Like, hey, Sergeant Griffin, you're going here in this amount of time. There's no like, oh, yeah, I don't want to do that. It's just, yeah, I go. And wherever I go, the job that is there, I have to do. I'm still waiting on that uh, Sigonella. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm still waiting on that and that uh, Diego Garcia deployment. One, before I retire, the military going to send me there one day. I know. <laughs> it's going to happen. I like how you're putting it out there. Yeah, put it. I out. like how you're I putting claim it that. out there. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but I'll, I'll say this. I don't know why I got these headphones on because I can't hear nothing. But... <laughs> I, I like it. I'm just, it makes, it feel makes me feel like yeah, like I'm at professional, like I'm at the studio or something. Um, but so after my deployment came back, I went to uh, overseas: mm-hmm. uh, England, Korea, Japan, Korea, and then here. Right. All of, all of those years, out of all of the years I was overseas, it was like 12, 13 years overseas. <sighs> so. Big shout out to Tech Sergeant Brown for telling me that I could travel. That definitely <laughs> hey, he, he was right. He was the, the, MVP. the first one the Air Force hit you with. You're like, man, they you got me. And that, like, you know, 17 years in, it, look, out of 17 years, I have not, like, I've been fortunate. Right. I've been fortunate. Man. Okay. Um, and I've done pretty much law enforcement my entire career, right? Mm, don't so, jinx yourself. I mean, I got one more base. I'm going to Shaw, and mm-hmm. where it's predominantly law enforcement. And then uh, after that, we'll decide. Right. Um, you know what I'm saying? I'm here till the Air Force feels that I can't serve anymore. Right. Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I definitely uh, want to just contribute whenever I can. So um, overseas and stateside comparisons to me, right, mm-hmm. is... It's night and day. It's night and day. It is literally night and day, right? Uh, Korea, probably some of the best camaraderie I've ever had in my life, right? Everybody's rocking jerseys. Everybody's doing rock jerseys no more. Like, but yeah, back in the day, we even, rocking even jerseys. the squadron like team jerseys and stuff like that. People rocking. Right, they had like a motorcycle. Like all of the LTs had like a motorcycle gang. They they they, <laughs> they like so like. Certain things they, they had, it wasn't like a gang, but they had actual, what's some chaps type joints? Oh, like the, the leather vest. <laughs> the yeah. leather vest. Yeah, yeah. What's some joints called? I don't know what they call But it's like the leather vest, and then like they motor, had their like squadrons. Like motorcycle clubs, yeah. They had oh, their yeah. squadrons on the back and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, they was driving around, it's like scooters. They're not like real, like motorcycles. They're just right. riding around with scooters on the base and stuff, right? But like every Sunday, all the NCOs, we cooked for all of the airmen, mm-hmm. Right. So every Sunday, with every single Sunday, without fail, like, we cooked for the airmen. And then we broke bread with the airmen. Right. Like, yo, what's going on? What do you need help with? Like, what are you seeing? This is that and the other. It was a different environment than, like, you see stuff today. You know what I mean? And I think that's always going to be true for overseas. Because overseas, everybody's away from their families. Like, back stateside is different. Like, we got a lot of people here that, that are from here. You know what I mean? So their 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 pre Air Force life is still here, and they're in the Air Force, but they can always go back. When you're overseas, you guys are all you have. So it's always like the camaraderie is always going to be there. It's like, where are we going this break? What are we doing? You know what I mean? And here it's like everybody, all right, you know, put hands in together, break, 
see you next cycle. And it's for some flights it's like that, and some flights it's not. I, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's just that you're depending on your group of people. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm like I'm learning, right? Because I was never like coming through the ranks. Mm-hmm. I was never like, oh yeah, I'm gonna kick it with y'all type stuff. Right. I was I was always a solo dolo type person. Right. Lone wolf. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, one is just like I, I don't want you in my business. I don't know. I don't know you like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Baltimore. Right. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know you like that. But like oh, but as I got closer and closer to people over the years, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I started realizing that. So one, it helped with coping skills. It helped with being able to deal with uh, hard times, uh, mental stability, spiritual stability, um, having someone that you spent 12 hours to 14 hours a day because it wasn't an eight-hour shift when I first came in. I didn't know what those were. Um, Spending that amount of time with people, learning about people, you know, you learn a great deal. Right. You know, and then you start to build, and like I said before, that then in turns make you invested in the next person's success. Right. Right. So I, w- I would like to see the culture come to that. Not necessarily we got to get rid of technology or get rid of anything else. Right. But it's just the human factor of like if I have other techs. Right. Because that's my peer group. Mm-hmm. Right. So I got other tech sergeants that I come in contact with and I got something going on. Right. right? It would only be right for me to go to you and say hey I got this thing going on you want to participate right. it's not competition because everybody can eat right. I'm invested in your success Right. you know what I'm saying so if I'm invested in your success when you got something going on then you'll throw me a bone Right. that's and what it, senior NCOs do and then if it spreads then we get that culture that team culture because if all the NCOs are on board there's no other choice. Everybody's – it's just going to trickle down. Right. Like, they say that, you know, NCO is the backbone of the of the Air Force, right? I mean, but it really is. That and them, and, and, and them strong senior airmen. Like, yeah. them, like senior airmen really got – Senior some, airmen is a rank that, like, is, is a great rank. Because like, you, 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 you can be the person that knows your job the best, have no troops, and be the coolest person on your flight by far yeah. as a senior airman. Because – if you're a cool CM, if you're if you if you know your stuff and stuff like that, and people like to be around you, you can affect the whole flight. Right, like a, a senior airman has the ability to destroy, like literally no right. cap, no cap. Like they can destroy a flight or make a flight. Right, right. Because I tell this, I tell this to the senior airman on my flight. Right, <laughs> like you either got to do better. Or I appreciate what you're doing, right? And I say that for these one or two reasons, right? <laughs> because when we get new airmen, new airmen only know what they've been taught, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't know not to stand at parade rest. Right. They don't know not to, like, when they come into a room, knock first. They don't know not to not do those things. Right, there's no frame of right? reference. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the only people they see... That do those things that then in turn tells them that they don't have to do those things are either the season A1C or the senior. Right. Because they're, they're not, they don't yet have the confidence to be like, uh, they're not going to come in and be like, I can do whatever a sergeant can do. Yeah. 
But right. this dude just has one more stripe. If he can get away with it, I could right. probably do it too. Right. And that's like a frame of reference for job too. Like if you get taught by a senior airman the wrong way, it's almost it's not even your fault because you have no frame of reference for what is the right way. Right. You're like, oh, this is how we do it here, and if that senior airman's like, yes, then they're like, well, that's how we do I it. I guess that's how we do it. And then that senior airman set himself up for failure because when the NCO comes out and asks him, he's going to be like, yeah, someone's going to tell me how to do it this way. And it leads straight back yeah. to that senior Big airman. Facts. Big facts. Don't be that senior airman. <laughs> <laughs> I would never. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, yeah, like, those, like, between senior airman and, and like, the first level of NCO is really, like, and that's where all your rumors come from, where, where you get to hear everything. That's true. Because senior airmen, and especially staff sergeants that just make staff sergeant. Yeah. Because you're you're still trying to figure yourself out as an NCO, right? Everybody expects. I remember I was in RTC, and that's when I put on our, you know pre-deployment training for some of you guys that don't know. Yeah. Um, I put on there. And so, obviously, I went through the little gauntlet. We don't do anymore, obviously. Yeah. But uh, I remember it was the next day that everybody was like, hey, Sergeant Griffin, what are we doing today? I'm like, I know the exact same thing I knew yesterday, <laughs> which is, you knew what I knew yesterday. You asked me last night. I wake up this morning. We're in the same room. I wake up this morning, and you asked me this question like I just was bestowed with some kind of magical NCO powers at midnight, I just woke up. I was like, I know everything. You weren't. I am a non-commissioned officer now, and I just, I'm ready. You wasn't a staff sergeant yesterday. I forgot. People were like, Hey, Sarge. I'm like, I'm still walking away because I'm like, they're like, Hey, yeah, you. I'm like, Oh, oh, it's me now. Right. Oh man. And I'm like, I gotta know this now. Like, Hey, what are your troops doing? Oh, I gotta be responsible. I thought it was just me in here. Right. I gotta be responsible for them. That's the only way I look good. If they look good. Ah, uh, this is gonna be an adjustment, right? You know, yeah, it is. It's a huge adjustment. You know what I mean? But uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like we have to do better, not just um, you know senior NCOs, tech sergeants, Everyone. staff sergeant. I think everybody needs to do better um, with inclusivity, being inclusive. Right? Um, I, I don't see a lot of leaders that move in a way that makes yourself personable enough to be um, to make an impact right because I always you always know who those people are because everybody in the squadron knows who those people are usually somebody that I know if I if I go to Sergeant James he'll stop what he's doing if if the if the situation warrants, as long as nothing's going on, obviously at work or flight, I'll he'll stop what he's doing and he'll make time. <laughs> yeah, okay. everybody knows you're very approachable, right? Yeah. So everybody knows who those people are. They know because they're not scared to come to you. Yeah, right. Um, I, I just try to be. I don't know. I just try. I just want people to do for me that I would want done for myself. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like my years in the military wasn't sweet. Like it wasn't somebody that was like, "Oh man, you can be great." Like like you're not going to make it is what they told me. 
Like, you are not going to be in to make staff sergeant. Like, that's what I was told. I was told that I, I, the way you are, who you are, will not, that's not what the image that we want. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody said that, oh, man, you, you have something different. Right. Like, the problem is with supervision is people don't know how to manage personality. That's the problem. You can't manage personalities. And because my personality doesn't me- mesh with how you think that I need to become a leader, right. you think that I'm an insufficient one right. or that I can't be that one, right? I, it took me a while <laughs> to figure out how my personality works for me, right? And it's definitely right. a love-hate type thing. Air Force, right. right. But it's definitely, you know, some people hate, hate me or love me type of thing. But across the board, I've tried, I've tried to figure out how to manage personalities in order to get missions accomplished. Right, talent management. Right. right? I think, for me, I think good leadership or be, being a leader, anybody can be a leader, right? Leadership to me is like uh, experience meets opportunity. If I have a squad full of people... And I know this one airman was a medic before he came in or a paramedic. And I have to put a squad together. Yeah, he's going to TCCC. He's going to uh, the training because I know he's probably going to be able to perform it better. Right. right? Because and I put him in that leadership role because I know I couldn't do it better than him most likely. It's experience meets opportunity to me. If you're not willing to see... Not everybody's going to be a cookie cutter. And like you're saying with personalities, everybody's different. But that's what helps you get things done because it's so many different angles to look at one problem. Yeah. I think that's what the Air Force kind of does better than a few other branches that I work with. It's, it's being able to voice your opinion and not be immediately shut down in that situation. Hey, we, we can dig into that a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause this is definitely uh, not a... Uh, like, I don't know. I, I'm all over the place in my mind right now, right? So I'm, I'm thinking, like, um, I have told people that work for me, right? I don't have to be an a-hole to get things done, right? Right. I don't have to say, I'm giving you an order to do this, right? But by the enlisted force structure and the way that it is set up, what I say... As long as it's ethical, moral, and not breaking any yeah, legal, rules or laws, yeah. is should be interpreted as an order, right? What I said wasn't a suggestion, right? You know what I'm saying? Like I don't operate under the pretext that we you have that ability to be like, hey, like I feel like you can give feedback on something that you may disagree with, right? And I th- I will hear your feedback. But, like, I think we, we also have to get to a place, get back to a place where we realize that this is not a democracy. So, you know, this, this term, uh, this, this term uh, that I've heard all throughout my career, back to basics. That is, in, in effect, what I think you're getting at. Back to basics. It's tough. I, this year, for the last 14, 15 months, everybody that's even came through um, tech school and stuff like that, they're different because they, they don't do the same things they do. 
because of obviously the pandemic. So it, it's it's more geared towards uh, powerpoints and things like that. Right now, there are certain things that are missing that we get we have to adjust for and give them to it when they get here. Right. So I think a big part of the, your military experience is the initial setup. The initial setup used to let you know this is what it can be like, and this is what at the end of the day it could be like. Yeah. But the regular Air Force operates differently because it's more effective to do it that way. But it gave you a basis of as long and when you left there, you're like, well, this is still way better than what was behind me in tech school or basic because that's when I was getting those orders. I had to do everything. I was in phases. I couldn't go out, couldn't do this, do that. It sets you up a little bit differently, right. I think, than it has now. But it's on us to kind of change that. I mean, I feel like anytime that we get to talking right our conversation starts at point a it ends at like point z right because like now i feel like you you set up the great segue for promotion right (laughs) because son james uh i am not equipped to talk about promotion (laughs) i will talk to you about promotion in july let's go when those results come out hey look if you see me crying on the ruck on friday you know what happened. <laughs> All right. We're going to end it off there. This has been Under the Beret. Sergeant James, you've been a great guest. I enjoyed our conversation like I always do. Yeah. And we're signing off. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs>